0: you're listening to the broadway podcast network
1: this friday your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in disney pixar's inside out 2 it's time to greet your team riley it's anger let me at him fear safety checklist is complete disgust ew ew sadness is in the house oh no hello I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now.
0: 18 plus. Hi, I'm Angelique Crochet, and you are listening to Creative Quarantine. This is our second convo, and I'm really excited. We were joined by stylist, author, writer, editor, host, amazing badass, mental health advocate, Stacey London. who's also one of my favorite people. I'm really excited because we had a chance to talk about her work, her trajectory in life, but also Um, Had an opportunity to talk about what she's doing with this time, how she's adjusting as a creative and what it means to kind of have this inertia, uh, not sitting still while we are social distancing and self-isolating and utilizing this forced time in a creative and productive manner uh, moving forward. And it was just such an amazing conversation. I could go on forever, but you should just take a listen for yourself. Here we go. We are live. Hi everybody. Hey. Welcome to the second convo in the series for Creative Quarantine. I'm Angelique Roche, uh, your very quarantine host, uh, <laughs> and I am here with one of my dear, dear, dear friends and amazing fashionista, writer, editor, consultant. I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty much a badass. I'm a As- multi-hyphenate. <laughs> yes. She's <laughs> London.
1: Hey, oh, no. Thank you for having me, Angelique. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm doing my like sort of sporty spice. Um, uh, you know, I want to help promote brands that uh, are going to need our help when this is over. So just to tell you that baby grand is, oh, I keep getting text messages, which is really annoying. Um uh, Baby Grand is a bar in New York City that I love very much. It's a karaoke bar. And so when we're all ready to get out of quarantine, let's go show some love to this guy.
0: I think we just need to do a creative quarantine after party at Baby Grand. A
1: thousand percent. That sounds great. Yes.
0: Oh, wait. So a lot of folks are very excited that you would be joining today. And I am very excited because This is obviously going to be viewable afterwards. We're putting in some podcasts. But for those who are new to uh, the magnificence that is Stacey London, um,
1: (laughs) tell tell the folks what you do to make the world
0: better, which is a lot, by the way. Oh, my
1: God. Please don't put me on the spot. I have no idea. I mean, um, I had a career as a fashion editor that led to uh, a job on television for a show that uh, was on TLC for 10 years called What Not to Wear. And then I did a show called Love Luster Run. And I used to do a lot for the Today Show and Access Hollywood. So I've been in fashion for a long time. Um, But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've kind of branched out. I do a podcast on mental health right now for the Jed Foundation and Crisis Text Line called Could Be Better TBH, where we talk to people about mental health, about things that they've been through and how they've gotten through them, that there's always hope Um, because the last five years I've struggled a lot and I feel like instead of keeping that a secret, anytime you shine a light on the difficult stuff, it makes it a lot easier. And I think when we share the things that cause a lot of fear or a lot of shame, um, we are freeing ourselves from that and giving other people permission to talk and, and hopefully get the kind of help that they need. So that's something that's very important to me. And I guess on the flip side of that, I started um, a company called Small Beautiful Things, uh, where I sell vintage objects. Um, some have a purpose and some don't. But for me, it's sort of an extension of what I've always done in fashion. Fashion has always been connected to psychology for me. Um, and selling kind of beautiful home objects, I've always been a collector. But for me, that's part of the same thing that I would tell people about their wardrobe, right? Right. Your wardrobe should make you feel beautiful and safe and connected to um, not just yourself, but in some ways what you want to project to the world. And when you talk about vintage objects, that's about your environment. Your environment should feel beautiful and make you feel safe. And in a ways that in, in a way that's a lot more private and personal, than, you know, the outfit you're showing to the world. So to me, it's still an extension, but maybe it's a more intimate extension than just what you're putting on your body.
0: And I love that because there's like an aspect of that. I know a lot of folks have been, there's been a lot of memes, there's a lot of jokes about uh, what folks are doing now that they're working from home. Right, uh, nesting. they keep their routine, do they keep clothes? Are they like keeping themselves busy by cleaning out their closet? And, you know, I kind of want to talk about like, How are things going? Because you were having these conversations with folks. You now have office hours every day.
1: Yes. Um, On my my, um, Instagram live on Mondays and Wednesdays from four to five, I'm holding office hours. You called it a fashion happy hour, which I love. But it's um, my way of connecting with people in a time where connection is super important um, i think that a lot of people at home are are trying to come up with tasks that they don't normally have the time to do when they're working you know every weekday and one of those is spring cleaning and you know i want people to be able to come to me and ask for help and advice just because um, that's something that uh, i i haven't been able to do before um, or you know it's not that i haven't been able to do it i didn't think about doing it until I realized how constructive that might be during this time. Um, I'm not doing it for money, I'm not asking, you know, there are no sponsors for it. It's really just a way to create connection um and to give people the opportunity to ask questions.
0: Yeah, and I really love that. And you know, for those out there who are watching right now, you can ask questions uh via YouTube. You can put it in the comments, you can send uh tweets uh or put this on the Facebook comments. We'll make sure that Stacy gets them. But I know one of the things I kind of wanted to ask too is that, you know, having this conversation about mental health, being in New York right now, like for you, how has it been? Because your job is innately very creative. You have worked with a number of celebrities, a number of brands um, about what his fashion looks like, putting it together and really tailoring it for folks in such a beautiful way. Um, How has your routine adjusted? How have you adjusted the work that you're doing? Um, And how are you you kind of working to support this idea of social distancing and self-isolation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I'm trying to do that most of all is through this kind of contact, because again, Life has been upended for us. Um, the only way that I find it to be productive is to take on the things that you say you always wanted to do. Now, maybe that's not cleaning your closet. Maybe that's reading Ulysses by James Joyce, or you know, maybe that's um, you know cleaning the your apartment head to toe because you're sick of it, or maybe that's writing for you or journaling or whatever it is. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of take a step back and reassess and think about not just priorities, but things that we've always wanted to do that we're really never afforded the time to do. Now, I realize that not working for most people or or having to work from home, you know, reduces your salary or in some cases people have been laid off or they don't have salary. I'm not saying that that's um, anything to be minimized. Obviously, We're all going to have to do whatever we can to keep small businesses going and to help people when this is all over that they can bounce back and find other jobs. But because there's nothing that we can do right now, because social distancing is so important, because we need to flatten the curve in order to control the coronavirus. I think it's really an opportunity for us to look inward instead of outward and figure out, you know, what our priorities are, where we want to be when this is over, and what we can do in the meantime to kind of better our lives and environment. And, you know, whether that means having virtual dinner parties every night with friends to stay connected, or cleaning your house, or, you know, I don't know, ordering your books by color, which I personally do not do. But, you know, whatever it is, this is the moment to take a hold of it. I think it's very easy, particularly when it comes to mental health. This is an an anxious time for people. This is a depressing time for a lot of people. And the thing that I can say certainly about mental health, because I've dealt with both uh, depression and anxiety, is you got to keep moving, both physically and mentally. And that means taking a step and the path appears. I've said that over and over and over again. If you stand still, if you lie on your couch and watch Battlestar Galactica all day, which I've also done, um, eventually you're going to get yourself into a hole. Inertia, right? You know, something at rest stays at rest. Something in motion can stay in motion. You really need to take that extra step, whatever it is. Get outside, take a walk, wear a mask if if you're worried about not being able to stand six feet from somebody. But do things that give you a sense of pride and purpose. Because frankly, when all of this is done, you're going to look back and realize that this was time that you could have done something really great, that you're not going to be afforded again. Then life will you know, start over and we'll be back to working and we'll be back to doing our things. So I've taken this um, as a great opportunity. My girlfriend and I have definitely been working on small, beautiful things. She is a co-founder with me. But the other thing that we've been doing is like, Cooking up a storm, I do not cook. And every day we talk about what we're making. It is so exciting. There's something so liberating about kind of going back and doing things that I never really had an opportunity to do. I used to work so much for such long hours that like... I feel like I missed out on a lot of things, you know. If I could read every Shakespeare play, I would. Maybe I will. But this is the opportunity to do things that I didn't ever have a chance to do because I was always running around. So this is important quality time that is, in some ways, a real gift if we think about it in the right way. And that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping most people get out of this quarantine.
0: I think that's actually it. Hits on exactly the the next question I want to ask because. I think this is another opportunity when you have a world that is so full of content um, and the world is so full of other things. Like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to right now? You, you know, grounded within all of this.
1: Yes. Well, okay. So there's a couple of things there. I do, I am watching Battlestar Galactica, um, the series that was in the uh, early aughts that I only ever watched the original mini, like the, that kind of mini movie and didn't realize there were four seasons after that. So I am like done with season one and I'm, I'm going to watch two, three and four. But I'm also waiting to get the book um, Why We Can't Sleep by Ada Calhoun, which my sister recommended to me and told me was um, an essential book for Gen Xers to read. Uh, And it talks a lot about why we are struggling right now with middle age. Now, um, that's something that I've been looking into a lot, whether it's Uh, My own struggle with aging, I turned 50 last year, and I realized that this is a very different time in my life than, let's say, being 40 was. And negotiating what middle age feels like, um, what are the good things about it, what are the hard things about it, and being able to talk about those things honestly. Um, You know, there's a lot of women over 50 who have a very, very positive sense of aging. And there, um, there's Goodbye Crop Top, there's Susan K. Feldman, um, there's April Yucatel. There are women out there who are really talking about um, Aging as empowerment. And I don't disagree with anything that they have to say. But in my mindset, there's a lot that we're not talking about that is really hard. Um, menopause being one of the things, perimenopause, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of physical well, changes. And everybody's uh, talking about a vagina, they just stop talking. They just stop right. Saying. Exactly. Well, exactly. Um, but, you know, right. It's like I've said before, the only thing you want dry in your 50s is a martini me so you know these are things that are definitely worth talking about and I think not just for people oh sorry I don't know if my my uh notifications are getting in the way but I love this um, I love this. this is
0: exactly this is look right now uh th- this
1: is this
0: is real we're home yeah um, but, but I, I, think, I, I think that you make a very good point there is this idea where we don't have these conversations about what's happening. And I think that goes all the way back to what you were talking about with mental health. Like right now yes. people are dealing with, I saw this meme that was absolutely perfect the other day, which was, I can't tell if I'm not feeling well or my anxiety is crushing my chest. Right,
1: well, a thousand and- percent. And, and I think that both of those things are valid. I think that, um, you know, we talk about depression as being um, something that uh, you feel for no reason. Right. That these that is like a, a an actual chemical that needs talk therapy or medication or whatever works for you. But really, the thing about uh, what's happening right now is not depression if you're feeling down or you're feeling anxious. You have legitimate reasons. So it's called demoralization as opposed to depression. Demoralization is when something truly bad has happened and you are reacting to it. So I think that's very much if there's a word for anxiety. It's not free-floating. Every one of us has a reason to be anxious right now. I mean, not being able to work, not being able to be with your loved ones if they're far away, not being able to travel, not being able to, in some places, leave your house for very long. You know, these are anxiety provoking times. This is not, you're not making this up in your head. Even if you're prone to anxiety and depression right now, this is sort of a collective feeling. And so, you know, look, I, I highly recommend listening to my podcast, but I highly recommend listening to podcasts that soothe you. I mean, I downloaded Calm uh, as an app and Headspace as an app, not just because I wanted the meditation, but I love the sleep stories and being able to listen to music that helps you fall asleep I have a lot of trouble with insomnia. This situation isn't going to make it better for a lot of people. So, you know, I think that we have to honor how we're feeling. Um, That's very important to me. This idea that we're questioning our own responses to what's happening isn't helpful. I think it's really important to honor them and feel them and work through them the best way that we can. And, you know, having conversations, Like this with you, I think is essential for what we do right now, Um, whatever we're able to do to come together as a community to talk about this stuff to shine a light on what's going on to help each other, even if that means that we're doing it virtually. it's never been a more important time than now, you know, for most of us, we, 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 look, there are people who, you know, went through, who are much older, who experienced polio before the vaccine, or, you know, before flu shots were available. Well, I mean, but those are months,
0: right? Because these are these, exactly, are, some of these have a higher spread rate. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very interesting, because I'm, and, and I'm glad that this space exists, and it's very funny, we actually get a question in and and
1: I, <laughs> I see it. Do you think a show like What Not Wear could happen now? Not now is the apocalypse, but now is in the current age. I love you, by the way. Thank you for teaching me how to dress well. OK, Kat, that is the sweetest little comment. Thank you so much. I don't know. I know that um, TLC is bringing What Not to Wear back. Not not personally with me. I know they're bringing the format back. It's it's an interesting question because I think one of the smartest things um, that you know you can do with a, a revamped show is make it very pertinent to the age in which you're doing it. The early aughts when we started What Not to Wear was the rise, the golden age of unscripted television. Um, most of the unscripted television you see today like the bachelor whatever is basically scripted television it's not like all that stuff is happening in real time you know a lot of people also have ifbs in their ear with people telling them what to say but one of the things that you know we had was this like unbelievable uncharted territory and it's not that i don't think that people have nostalgia for the show i constantly get asked if it's coming back But I think it needs an update. So the same way Queer Eye for the Straight Guy went from Bravo to Netflix and became Queer Eye. It was recast with a kind of younger, more relevant audience. Um, They've also taken on other things besides what the makeover really means. And I think we tried to do that on What Not to Wear, too. There's a psychology component to it, but they're taking on racism. They're taking on homophobia. They're taking on bigger issues than just how somebody looks. They're taking on issues about viewpoints about how people think and that's super super important so you know if the new what not to wear can do that then more power to it I think if you just wind up with the same format you have before you know look people will love that they'll get everybody gets something out of transformation you know there's hope in transformation but I think that it needs to be pertinent to the age in which you're doing the show and 2020 is very different from when we started in 2020 uh, o2 right? When we started in 2002. So I think that changes will have to be made in order for it to be relevant for a new audience. Yeah, I
0: I, I think that's, I mean, it's, I think it's spot on. I know you know that. It, it, I mean, obviously, uh, it's like one of those things where we have, it's, it's just a different space. It's a different age or different things we could talk about. Well, and thank I mean, you I- for being me. Honest about reality TV because a lot of folks
1: don't know a lot of that stuff is scripted. I that know. Well, listen, you know when you're trying to manipulate a situation to go a certain way, that requires at least, um, you know. Not just a format, but like for somebody to kind of push things along. One of the things that was great about What Not to Wear is we had a format show. But within that format, we really were allowed to do and say what we felt and what we thought. And I think that 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 made all the difference. And I think um, uh, I haven't watched a lot of Queer Eye, but I really do think that a lot of that is what they're able to do. So I don't, and me. that's nothing against queer. Eye. I just don't watch a lot of unscripted television any at all because like I did it, I know it, I got it.
0: I mean, but you also are a nerd. you were very busy watching Battlestar Galactica, which I appreciate.
1: Um, I, I mean, you you know me. I am kind of a weird sci-fi nerd. I'm I'm obsessed with Star Wars, and I collect dinosaurs. And you know, I mean, there's a part of me that is not very fashionable at all. <laughs>
0: Oh, so I just want to remind everybody, you do have an opportunity to ask any questions you'd like to ask. Go to the YouTube, put it in the comments. Um, Please. I'm happy to answer questions. Absolutely. Ask all the questions. Uh, if you're watching right now, share so your friends can also ask the questions. So I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about you as a creative. Um, for you in this space that you have, but also kind of as a wider and broader as the situation is going, what are your your hopes, dreams, goals, your your things that you're doing to kind of hone in your practice while you have
1: this forced space? Right. I mean, it's really interesting. I just um, published an article in Refinery29 a little bit, it, it was a little bit lighthearted and it was a little bit retrofit. Um, it was a, a piece that I told as a story uh, for... Um, this great thing called Generation Women that my friend Georgia Lou Clark started, uh, where she has women perform uh, and they're they're chosen by generation. So there's somebody for their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s, 70s, even sometimes 80s, where a woman will come on and read a story that she wrote. And they're usually themed. So the one that I did was called A Fresh Start. And I wrote it about the fact that, you know, I've had a a tough 15 months, let alone five years. But the last 15 months have been incredibly hard. Losing my dad, gaining a lot of weight, um, and really struggling psychologically with this idea that you know the clothes that fit me in 2018 do not because I have gained a lot of weight, and yet I am not. I, I am not. Sympathetic usually about clothes that don't fit. I'm not uh, at all sentimental. I'll throw away what doesn't work. I'll donate it. I'll sell things. You know, I don't. I'm. I'm not sentimental about keeping things in my closet. And yet now, I have this feeling of I can get back there. 2018 was five seconds ago. I can do it. And. I really had to go through the machinations in my head. What am I doing? This is this is exactly what I would tell somebody on what not to wear not to do. Is this psychological torture or am I actually using those clothes as motivators to help me, right? Oprah was the person to tell me, and uh, humble brag that I'm, that she's the one who told me. No, but no, she big was deal. Like,
0: um, I was just having this conversation with Oprah, no, it was, and Oprah it
1: was, was a like, very long time hey, time ago. "No, clothes won't fit." <laughs> I don't even know if she remembers me now, but it was a very long time ago, and. What she did say, though, was very helpful to me. She said, look, keeping clothes that don't fit you is psychological torture unless you are holding on to them and you are actively working to get back to them. So in Mm -hmm. other words, if you're on a plan that is like helping you lose weight or helping you gain weight, whatever it is, um, if you're exercising, if you're taking care of yourself, then those clothes are actually motivating. But if they're just sitting there and you say one day, I'll get back into them and you're not doing anything about it. You're sitting on the couch and you're not taking great care of yourself, then that's psychological torture. Get that stuff out. And when and if you get to the point where you're, you know, actively trying to gain or lose weight to get back into the clothes that you loved, then then it's different. Then you'll, you know, you'll find the new stuff when you get there. But I think to keep that old stuff in your closet, when frankly, it could be making you money, right? Either selling it on consignment or donating it and taking the tax write-off. That's all money you can put back into your wardrobe. So don't hold on to things that don't serve you. And really, this is like, it comes down to a question of self-esteem. Do you want to beat the shit out of yourself or do you want to like prop yourself up and be confident?
0: Well, and I think that's also these like are one. the options. I love it, but I think that's also like, and I just, I this might seem a little trite, but I just want to ask this question: quarantine fashion. Let's have a conversation. We're in right. self isolation. Can we please just give everyone permission to wear sweatpants? Is, does everyone
1: have permission yes. to okay. wear a yoga I'm pants? Giving, I'm giving. I'm, I'm giving. No, <laughs> I'm gonna give. I'm gonna no. I'm gonna give. <laughs> I'm gonna give permission for that conditionally because the thing is you know again it's what i was saying about inertia there are some days where sweatpants are just all you can manage and i understand that and i get it uh, particularly not just from quarantine it's like some days with depression it's like you it's all you can do to get out of bed So I really do understand that. But I think that if we don't at least challenge ourselves to take showers and get dressed and try and keep some sort of normalcy in our lives, we run the risk of really it being quite difficult to get back to where we were when we have to go back to work, when real life starts again. So I'm not saying don't be comfortable. Of course, be comfortable. But also, you know, this is a great time to challenge yourself to look in your wardrobe and figure out what you've always been wearing and maybe how you can change up your style by mixing and matching pieces. Take videos, do photographs, make a new album of of outfits for yourself play, experiment with your closet. You've got time. So for somebody who's like struggling with what their style was before, this is an incredible opportunity to go shopping in your closet and figure out something that makes you feel differently about the way that you look in your style and play with things. This is an incredible opportunity to play dress up. That doesn't mean you have to stay in it all day long, but it certainly keeps you from being in sweatpants all day long too.
0: I think that's also like another good question for folks and kind of as we wind down the interview a little bit. Um, where do you, you know, where do you recommend folks get style inspiration?
1: Where do you recommend that folks like because I do a lot of Pinterest boards, particularly? Yeah, for my I love a I love a myself. Pinterest board too. Love a Pinterest board. Love, love, love that. That would have been my first thing to say. It's like scrapbooking, right? It's like making collages. It's it's just to me, it's like such an underrated um platform only because it, it's so helpful when you're trying to kind of visualize something. And, you know, whether that's like a dream board, a mood board, something that, you know, an intention board, it doesn't matter. It's a great way to do it digitally and have all of those things at your fingertips. Um, I do that for fashion. I do that for interiors. I do that for just, you know, art and colors that inspire me. Um, I do actually have a cork board as well, like a, a literal one, not a virtual one at home where, you know, I put quotes and photos and things that inspire me. Um, look, not everybody can go out right now and grab magazines and start cutting things out or you know whatever, but Pinterest makes that very, very, very easy. And I love the idea of people experimenting with identity, right? Here's an opportunity to say, all right, everybody knows me for wearing this, but what if I take out all the dress, everybody knows me for wearing jeans and t-shirts. But what if I take out all the dresses in my closet and figure out how to style them in a way that makes me feel as comfortable as T-shirts and jeans, but updates my look? What if it's long dresses with sneakers? I mean, what if it's braiding your hair and adding a headband? Who knows? But the idea is that we get to challenge ourselves by being inspired. And that inspiration doesn't necessarily have to come from anybody but inside you and personal curiosity. But certainly, if you need inspiration, if you're looking for inspiration, start with people um, who look like you. Okay, that's that's one thing that I would say. Don't tell me that, you know, I don't know, at um, 60, you want to look like Audrey Hepburn, you know, in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. I mean, but at at 60, I I, I do want to look like uh, she, she was perfection. Yes. But what I'm saying is she wasn't 60. So start with the idea that you love the inspiration of, let's say, the black dress, or let's say the the short jeans with a shirt. Then you need to see if that actually works for you, for your age, for your body type. So there's a difference between inspiration and literal inspiration, right? We want things that inspire us, but to be a better version of ourselves, not to look like a, a fake version of somebody else. Mm-hmm. So. When I say look for people who look like you, you may not be as tall or even as as thin as Nicole Kidman. But let's say you have red hair and blue eyes and that coloring. So look at what color she's wearing. Take inspiration that works for you. Don't don't make inspiration fit who you are. You are who you are and you're perfect. Use inspiration in ways that serve you, not disserve you. I think that's actually leads me to the question that i i, I we were kind of talking about this before those we we
0: went live is that you have such an interesting cool trajectory that fits <laughs> like fits you like like anyone who knows you're like okay i get it it makes all the sense in the world and you had this amazing opportunity to have an internship where you were like oh this is what i want to do i want to do fashion yeah i don't want to do this other thing um and so you had an opportunity to be an editor, an author, a host, um, a consultant. And for those right now, a lot of folks are now not in college. They're not finishing high school at the moment. School is out. The internships are gone. The international trips are, are not viable. You know, Can you give some advice for folks who are necessarily shifting their idea? Because it doesn't mean the thing is
1: impossible. It just means the pathway is a little different. Right. And look, again, unprecedented pathway. So, you know, one of the things that um, I'm learning myself is to be just kinder to where I'm at and really to honor the things that interest me. If you can't finish school right now, but that's something that really is important to you, self-educate. I mean, you know, a lot of kids are being homeschooled right now. You can do that for yourself as well. And this is also the opportunity to learn new things that you weren't going to have time to do otherwise. I mean, when I was five, I wanted to be a gemologist. Okay. I forgot how much I love rocks and crystals. So I took out my big crystal encyclopedia to start learning stuff again. I have this great book that one of my assistants gave me called The Aviary, which is all about making cocktails. Now I used to bargain bartend when I was 20 in London, which isn't the same thing as bartending in New York. Let's be honest. Most people just drink pints. But the fact is, I love making cocktails. So I'm going to take that huge coffee table book and I'm going to learn how to make some of them during this time. You can always enrich your own mind and your environment. You can always learn something new. I mean, Thank goodness we have internet right now. Thank goodness we live in a time where technology can actually aid us in in um, losing, you know, oh, wait, did I lose you? I feel no, like I... I lost you. Uh, I'm back. No, no, no. no. Ah, you're, you're back. Said, Thank goodness me. we have internet. I lost internet
0: on my phone because that's the way this is all working.
1: Okay, but I'm frozen now, right? Do I need? There we go. I'm back. Hold on. This is, nope. Is it back? Yeah, you're back. Am I back? You were back. Okay, great. Fantastic. Um, So I was just saying that, you know, again, this is a a difficult time. And- Only because I think self-motivation might be a little bit harder than it would be normally, right? It's sort of like you just throw up your hands. You're like, all right, do I have enough pasta in the house? That's as much as I can worry about. But if you think about this as an opportunity to read the book that's on your shelf that's been sitting there forever or um like you'll see i I can't tell if you can read my hat or not but it says the upside of being down that's my friend jen gotcha's new book it just came out i was actually going to interview her on her book tour book tour canceled so this is a great opportunity to help support writers who are, you know, missed their chance to meet you in person and talk about their work. Um, Untamed by Glenn Glennon Doyle is another yeah. great book. My friend Benj Pasek, who was one of the co-writers of Dear Evan Hansen, You Will Be Found is one of the songs in the book. Uh, sorry, excuse me, in the play, in the musical. But they turned the lyrics of that song into a book, which is all about not being alone and when somebody's feeling down actually helping them. Sorry, I have to move a little bit. My dog is sitting on my lap. Oh. I don't know. Before. And she was making it very uncomfortable. But um oh, but uh but so I think things like that are very important. You know, again, any way that we can support our community, our friends, or people who are struggling because literally everything has been canceled. Any way that we can help them. It helps us. I mean, you know, yeah. the upside of being down, it really has everything to do with mental health and how to be an optimist. That's an incredible book to read right now, right? You Will Be Found is this book about the fact that you're not alone and that you will find your people. That's an incredible book to be reading right now. Untamed is about, you know, how women have been taught to behave a certain way and not be who they truly are. What an incredible book to read right now. I love so those it. are things that I feel you know super strongly about. and also supporting my friends in any way I can. I have friends like who own bars and restaurants. We need to support them, especially if they have GoFundMe um, accounts, even if it's, you know, a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can give, because these people have treated us well. They fed us. They made cocktails for us. Yeah. And we want them to be there when we come back. So you can actively support, you know, and if you can't, if you don't have the money to donate, just spread the word. And I think those are the things that we really need to do. And We need to check in on each other. Those friends of mine who, are single and, you know, are home by themselves. You have to have virtual conversations with them. You need to check in on them. Emotionally, we need to stay more connected than I think we ever have oh, before. Thanks. And that that takes up a lot of day. Yeah, but you know
0: what? We have more day to give. And that actually is the perfect segue for me to go, Stacey, you love posting all of this and you love sharing all of this incredible stuff. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't go, how can folks find you? Where can folks find you? And please tell folks about Fashion Happy Hour.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, um, right now, I think the, the platform, obviously, you can most find me on is Instagram. And yes, Fashion Happy Hour, which I now love the name of, I've been calling Office Hours. On Mondays and Wednesdays, four to five, I do Insta Lives, and I invite people to come and talk with me. So we have a split screen and they can show me what what they're trying to get rid of, what they're trying to do with their closet. They can show me an outfit that they're unclear about or how to dress it up or dress it down. Um, and I do my best to, to help as many people as I can. One thing I will say, and I did remind people today on Instagram, if you have a question and you don't wanna be on video or I just don't get a chance to get to you because I can only do a few people an hour, um, just tag me on an Instagram, on your own Instagram story. And if you do that, then you will, I'll repost it with an answer. So instead, you know, instead of saying, ask me anything, just ask the question, tag me in the question and I will repost it.
0: I love it. And I love everything that you are doing right now. Thanks, Um, baby. You are, you're an
1: inspiration and I,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'll see you, I'll see you at happy hour. All right, I'll see you at happy hour. And thank you so much for having me. I love Creative Quarantine. I think this is the best idea. And um, I look forward to seeing so many more of them.
0: Bye. Bye. Creative Quarantine is hosted by Angelique Rocher. It's produced by Angelique Rocher, Sarah Storm, and Matt Storm. Our logo is designed by Aaron Leffler. New streaming episodes are available Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on angelicrochet.com forward slash creative quarantine. Podcasts are made available the morning after each live streamed episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit us on Instagram at creative.quarantine and Twitter at creativecutine. Please send this to a friend who needs a little artistic company and stay at home if you possibly can. We'll see you soon.
1: Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels?
0: Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert,
1: Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>